This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Trish, I couldn't give you your Christmas present. No. We couldn't have our Christmas drinks, which would have no. ended up with us rolling around silly. <laughs> but I did get you something from the charity oh. shop, which made me laugh. Um, yes. I haven't wrapped it up, so I can show it to you. Look, You're going to show it to me. It's a box set. Of... Oh, it's Morecambe and Why. <laughs> It's every episode. Welcome and why. Oh, is it DVDs or videos? DVDs, mate. Oh, DVDs. I might actually be able to use those. We're not going back that far. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Good, isn't it? So we could have a big session as the menopause or Morecambe and Wise watching Morecambe and Wise. (laughs) I I was going to buy you a stapler (laughs) because I know. Well, I do need one. The horrible children. The horrible mine doesn't work at all. You never have a stapler and you keep messing up your script, don't you? But but, uh, when we meet again, Lorraine, I will have something lovely for you. That's exciting, isn't it? An ancient box set and a stapler. <laughs> Maybe we'll review that. Now, shall we talk about something else that's happened this week uh, in the news? Mm-hmm. The return of Sex in the City. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? I've got a different view from what looks like everyone on Twitter. Oh, because everyone's so excited about yes. it. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, in th- I'm interested because I really like Cynthia Nixon and I think Love she's her. so much has happened to her in the real world. But I don't know. I didn't do that movie too because I, everyone said it's a disaster. Don't watch it. So it's I terrible. didn't, thank God. But what's your view then? Well, my view is the old series actually, much as we loved it at the time and mm. I was a fan at the time, it doesn't hold up. Oh, it doesn't it hold up in this era. Um, it isn't. It's all about good for women. desperate mm. search for a man. Mm. My view is a lot of the stuff is around, We re- wouldn't it be great to see women in their 50s on telly, this will be brilliant and glamorous, etc. Can't we write a new one? I mean, it's mm. not like there aren't a million brilliant female scriptwriters out there, I May Destroy You, I Hate Susie Fleabag, who could mm-hmm. absolutely write the best 50s. Why can we only allow it if it comes back? from the olden times to be done now it made me quite cross that I just thought it's because why we can't write it is because it won't be commissioned because most of the power still sits in the male Mm. place Mm. on television commissioning Mm. I'm going off on one now look it won't be commissioned because people will say no one wants to watch anything about women in their 50s which we have proven wrong ourselves Mm. Trish have we not well they're certainly listening to women in their 50s and I think it's time to to show yes. them on the screens, right. big and small. Write my own sitcom. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. 
In today's episode, we're going to be talking to a woman who we think of as a proper grown up. I think because she is so impressive at what she does, she looks as fit in midlife as she did when she began her career in broadcasting way back in 1992. She is always super smart and glossy, and she takes no prisoners when it comes to challenging even the most high profile guests in her interviews. Yes, it's TV presenter Gabby Logan. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Well, yes, I can ask tough questions, but my biceps are not quite as toned and my hair Mm. isn't quite as fabulous and glossy as Gabby's. Oh, well, never mind. So talking of tough questions, we are also going to be asking how you deal with feelings of fear, stress, anxiety, and overwhelm that many of us are experiencing right now. And later on in the show, How to Win at Midlife is about sharing what we found out about buying perfect lingerie. Do you like that word lingerie, Trish? I'm not sure I do. I'm more of an undies kind of a girl. (laughs) So get ready to sling out your old grey bras and uncomfy knickers. It's time to give your underwear drawer a makeover. Yes, get rid of those ghastly thongs. Have you worn a thong? No, well, once and never again. Can't do it. Chafing. That's an image for the listeners, Trish Chafing. Lorraine, we have to admit we've been finding these grey lockdown homeschooling January weeks really quite tough. And we've both been hearing so many stories from friends and other women we know about just how overwhelming everything is right now. We're hearing about people having panic attacks, feelings of despair and worry about the future. And I think as midlife women, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you're unravelling, it's kind of familiar to many of us because when you go through the menopause, perimenopause, that's um, something that can happen. But I don't know, I somehow think this is all on another level don't you i think this lockdown the 10 weeks last one with the very first one i think this one is worse much worse mm. i think mm-hmm. um a lot of people are really struggling on a day-to-day basis now i know we're not all intensive care nurses and we're not all working on the front line of the covid crisis but it does feel very intense mm-hmm. at the moment it feels like a relentless slog and i know a lot of people um, are completely overwhelmed i've had lots of friends and i've been looking at social media a lot of people women particularly talking about being horrendously overwhelmed by their feelings and submerged in stress so mm-hmm. that it feels like you're swimming through this these are very very intense feeling so it's not healthy anxiety it's a kind of constant intense Mm. feeling I think there are some things that you can do about it so I've been reading about Buddhism Trish Mm, okay I never thought I would heard you hear you say those words I am of the get appealing appealing to you is it well it's appealing to me because it's a slightly practical thing Mm. that I think I think that we always try and avoid these terrible feelings particularly when we get near the point of panic attacks Mm. Um, but actually perhaps we have to sit with these feelings and observe them because we know they're going to go on we know that all of the world is in permanent constant change at the moment and that's what we're dealing with this massive uncertainty Mm. and constant change so are these feelings that we're having good or bad or are they just feelings I mean there is a Buddhist saying it just is Mm -hmm. and at the moment it just is but there is something I read about which is from Buddhism and it's R-A-I-N something called rain so recognize your feeling Mm -hmm. say this is what I'm feeling but it's not who I am or what I am accept that feeling so allow yourself to feel that feeling and then investigate that feeling why what are the things that are causing this feeling very specifically factually what are the things and then the n is for to not identify them so you can feel it but you aren't that emotion you're aware you're having that emotion it doesn't belong to you that emotion you don't have to be the feeling 
Mm-hmm. You can just observe the it feelings. Doesn't have That's to define you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it makes it less intense. I think learning to breathe properly is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Probably during these times, there's a yoga with Adrienne on YouTube who I love. She's doing a breathing course, which I found really helpful. It feels like a kind of storm, doesn't it, coming mm-hmm. at you? Now, mm-hmm. the thing that really changed it for me because I had a really terrible moment last week because we're homeschooling all three children at home they can't see anyone they can't go anywhere Mm. it's a very tense every room you go in there's somebody there and it's relentless so I've had those terrible moments myself of kind of not being able to breathe and that panic Mm. but I watched an Elizabeth Gilbert TED talk she wrote a really brilliant book a couple of years ago called Big Magic and this is about being in the presence of bad feelings so we've lost all the things that normally pacify us so we've lost well dry January we can't (laughs) we don't have a drink and actually that's a good thing I think but we've lost all that kind of being incredible busy being able to go somewhere buy something do something learning to be in the presence of those feelings giving yourself Mm. compassion being kind to yourself about it and doing that as a a practice and look at the experience and actually walking towards that terrible feeling Mm -hmm. and thinking I'm going to just deal with this feeling because it's not going to kill me it's Mm -hmm. it's here but it's not going to kill me so she's sort of suggesting curiosity is a better way of looking at things and dropping the pressure to have a passion and a purpose and do everything that you want to do and bake that yeah. ridiculous banana bread or learn how to do the splits or whatever. But it's that kind of tense pressure we, we're we used to putting on ourselves mm. to distract us from awful feelings. Yes. And perhaps we don't need to do that. It's a TED Talk, which is her being interviewed, which I found really useful. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing um, with it? Well, actually, I'm not great at the moment um as you know Lorraine I've really tragically I've lost two friends in the last few months and that has I can't tell you in the last month actually it's been it's been so unbelievably hard and I think what's made it harder is not having my support network around me not being able to you know speak to friends I mean of course you can speak on the phone I think what's what's been you know one of the ways of cope with it is actually picking up the phone and talking to people rather than just the constant sending texts because I feel like over that Christmas period I didn't really see anybody apart from my immediate family and obviously I FaceTimed with my dad and but um missing that support network in a in a time of kind of crisis really it's been incredibly hard and while I haven't felt maybe as overwhelmed because you know my kids are older I'm not having to homeschool this experience this kind of trying to deal with grief which I haven't really had to deal with for probably since my mum died you know um, 16 years ago it's been incredibly difficult so I can only think about all those people out there suffering on their own and going through this process on their own I can you know I can just really empathize with how incredibly the the extra layer this this situation is putting on top of that is just really I think if you add loneliness into Mm. grief it's very hard to deal with there's a lot of people really dealing with loneliness even within families that they're living with the loneliness Mm -hmm. is hard to deal with isn't mm. it have you done anything practically well, that you think I tell has you helped what, what I've done well I have to say and I agree I've never done dry January before doing dry January that has been really so really good it's so it's good really it good. really yeah. it really is it. because I'm sleeping I've got more energy I'm clear-headed and and I think I've been able to like you were saying about sort of sit with those emotions like my, my response you know on hearing about my friend this week would have normally been 
I'd go and get some wine, have a wine, you know, but actually, no, I just cried and cried and cried. And I kind of, I just let it happen to me. And I, you know, because I, I didn't want to numb it. I wanted to actually avoid experience it. it. I wanted to experience this, you know, losing a very, very loved and dear friend. And so that's been really helpful. And I've been doing some yin yoga, which is basically lying about I just love it it's very calm where you get into a position and you just stay in that position for about six minutes and there are lots and lots of YouTube videos oh, I'm doing that with my virgin gym they've got a really good app and that has been phenomenal actually that's been really helpful and um, I think something I haven't done but I'd be quite interested in looking at there's an awful lot of virtual retreats happening um, what does you that know, mean virtual retreats it's like so you might go to a retreat doing it online basically I wouldn't so retreat anywhere you wouldn't retreat online no. but you know actually I'm going to give my friend a plug another friend of mine she does them she lives in Tuscany she's called Debbie Travis and hers are oh, uh, Tuscan get you you know Debbie TuscanGetaway.com Instagram Debbie Debbie Travis and um, and it's just lovely it actually happened um, in the middle of January but it's a two-day event and you can still download it do all the workshops do all the yoga the nutrition mm. hear women talking together it's a really really lovely and Debbie's energy and enthusiasm for life is uh, is really really infectious so I would definitely recommend that at tuscangetaway.com and I think the overriding message is we are not experts in mental health. So mm. you are, if you are at, at, in a very dark place, then you should see an expert in mental health and talk to someone. But the overriding message is, is we can cope. Mm-hmm. We will cope. We will all get through this. And everybody's circumstances are relevant, no matter how intense or not intense. It's, it's all, you know, compassion for yourself is the thing you need to be showing, mm-hmm. isn't it? And there is light at the end of the tunnel and small happy moments in our mm. day. And we're talking about the these feelings of being overwhelmed, etc., because we've had some comments on our lovely Facebook group and on our Instagram. And Rachel had written, which I think, you know, sort of summed up part of this. One of the hardest things about lockdown for me is the fact that the house is never empty anymore. My house is just not mine anymore. I know this is a first world problem and there are much bigger things going on. And of course, it's not my house. It's obviously our house. But it's also really annoying. I love my family dearly, but please reassure me that I'm not the only one. It adds to this sense of powerlessness of losing control of our lives and the ability to shape our own day to achieve what we want to get done and focus on our priorities so carving out corners of physical and mental space just for us is really important right now we may have to be a bit more creative and i'm not throwing in the towel just yet so we hope that these ideas and thoughts and shared experiences will help you get through the days and weeks to come. And in fact, we had such a lovely post about the podcast, which has really, really cheered me up this week from Linda, who said, I'm just back from a walk whilst listening to this podcast. Yet again, it made me feel so much better, more normal, but most importantly, more in control. Thank you, ladies. Well, thank you. Linda Great, for listening and to all of Great, you for listening and, and obviously your feedback is always so important to us so do either review us, email us join in on the group This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now it's time to welcome this week's special guest, Gabby Logan. Gabby is a sports reporter, broadcaster and presenter who began her career at Sky before moving to ITV and then the BBC in 2007. The 47-year-old has fronted coverage of the Olympics, the World Cup, Rugby Six Nations, the World Swimming Championships and the Commonwealth Games. I'm exhausted just thinking about all of that. Blimey, (laughs) so active. (laughs) Her most recent project has been the launch of her own midlife podcast called The Midpoint, in which she talks to male and female celebrities and sports stars, many of whom are her personal friends, about finding their way through this stage of life and what they've learned about themselves so far. She is married to former Scotland rugby international Kenny Logan, and they live in Buckinghamshire with their 15-year-old twins, Lois and Reuben. Welcome, Gabby, to Postcards from Midlife. Thank you very much for having me. Well, we love your podcast. We're obviously big fans, as we are at our own midpoint in life too. What do you think it is about this life stage that makes it such a good time to take a moment and reassess who we are and what we've become? For me, it was a kind of realisation that I am getting older, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw some visual kind of evidence of that one day in the mirror <laughs> and uh, and I had this moment where I thought, oh, well, inside, what, what do I feel? And does it matter what age I feel? Because I don't feel like I can do any less physically. I don't feel I've got any less ambition or things that I want to achieve and things I kind of want to tick off in life. I kind of started noticing more about the topic, more being written, more people talking about it. And suddenly when you are aware of the fact that you're middle-aged, you start reading more about it. And then I thought, actually, it is important to understand what's going on physically because I think it's as almost as an important period as adolescence, which we know so much about. We talk about the physical changes of adolescence. We spend time, obviously, understanding it for ourselves, first of all, and then for our kids. And I think there's about, you know, probably about as much going on in that period as there is right now for us. So that kind of my motivation to get stuck into it a bit more mm-hmm. was purely selfish. <laughs> well, it is the same, um, ho- the same hormone changes and brain changes happen in perimenopause and menopause as in adolescence so it's a quite similar point of life but you are on tv all the time so how you look and how you feel about how you look when you say you notice some changes how does that feel for you because it's much more of a pressure for you isn't it perhaps than me and Trish who are never on telly (laughs) which is a shame yeah I think you should be (laughs) yeah I think if you told me at 28 that at 47 in the year of my 48th birthday I'd still be doing what I was doing then Mm. I don't think I'd have believed you because I thought I'd be off telly by the time I was 40 because I didn't really see many women over 40 on telly but now there are 
so many more and not only are they on telly they're talking about their age they're not bothered about it it's not a thing and it was a real thing you know for younger listeners it's not kind of something that I've imagined Mm -hmm. I had a boss who told me that one of my first television jobs that I wouldn't do football on his channel after the age of 28 that was clearly his cutoff point and I was 23 so for me I was thinking I had about a five-year career coming up you know and so I was in a bit of a rush at the beginning probably because of that thinking I had to kind of run through the whole thing as quickly as possible before this magic age of 28 but I think women now are embracing that part of their life and realizing that just because you turn a certain number, whether it's 40, 50 or 60, doesn't mean you have to change the way you dress dramatically. I mean, yes, we all want to modify things and our bodies change, but it's not about suddenly becoming beige, you know? And mm-hmm. I think middle age used to be this kind of insult almost, didn't it? That you, you know, well, looking certainly... younger. It's yeah. not about looking younger, is no, it? Even exactly. for celebrities. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, and do what you like, you know, if you want to go and, have fillers or Botox whatever you could do what you like you want to go off and make changes to your body in other ways that's fine but actually for me it's more about just still enjoying what I do and having joy in what you do I think is quite a youthful approach anyway isn't it Mm -hmm. and I know people in their 20s and 30s who seem a lot older than they are because they're kind of moaners Mm -hmm. we don't like moaners (laughs) that's what we don't like do we Trish we're like a positive upbeat approach to life definitely yeah I'm interested in this idea of you're 47 you're thinking about this time in your life has it kind of made you reassess anything specific or talking to other people on the podcast about the midpoint it's reassured me in a way that how I felt about things is okay and you know there's no right or wrong to it when I turned 40 one of my best girlfriends rang me we were in lockdown because it was in April and she said by the way I read something this week and 47 is the age when you are at your most miserable (laughs) great uh, that's the narrative isn't it that midlife is rubbish (laughs) exactly and so I just thought I don't feel miserable I feel really positive I feel really enthused about what I'm doing and there's lots of things I still want to do and I I thought well am I supposed to start feeling miserable and of course there are serious mood changes that happen that can people with regard to hormonal changes and I didn't feel that was happening to me but I also wanted to be aware if it was going to happen to me and you know how was I going to deal with that and what was I going to do I just felt that 47 was in many ways no different to 37 and if anything I felt a bit freer because I've got 15 year olds and they're much more independent than my five-year-olds were do you find it easier to set boundaries though or to say no to things because you could be busy all the time couldn't you you could be working all the time that's one of the common themes we get from women in midlife that they've started to say no or slow down or decide to take care of themselves more yeah but it's not so much saying no to work because usually my diary is fairly kind of structured because of sport and things it's actually pulling away from things at home sometimes to give myself space and being amazed when I pull away the void is created somebody else pops in and and does it you know so there's been a few times even the last couple of weeks where I'm working from home thinking both kids will be on their lunch hour in a minute okay let's see what happens you know I I don't have to get up and go and cook a meal you know let's well I've just seen what happens in the kitchen and it's really (laughs) unpleasant frankly they can start to get an idea of what it's like to run this house and do those things. And and that is very liberating, actually. And you've had some really great guests on The Midpoint, haven't you? Claudia Winkman, Denise Lewis. And you've also, you interview men, which we've only, I think we've only interviewed one man, haven't we? Um, Two, Trish. Yeah. Two, that's it. Yes. So you've had Richard Osman, Michael Johnson, I think Piers Morgan is coming. So 
What's the difference between men at midlife and women at midlife? What's the attitude difference you've noticed through those interviews? They talk more about the physical being related to their fitness. The kind of aesthetic, if you like, doesn't seem to be as high profile for them in terms of their list of things that they might talk about or be engaged by, except peers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they do talk about kind of wanting to stay fit, realising that they're not the young men they were and understanding their bodies are changing but they obviously don't have that same hormonal kind of pressing kind of matter do they you know their their hormones do change but absolutely you know compared to us at much slower rate and not by their 51st birthday do you know what I mean it's like they don't have that worry Rio Ferdinand was interesting because he's 43 and he's just had a baby to his wife obviously lost his first wife and has three older children and we spoke to a doctor on that episode and she was talking about men's hormone changes and it, it was like it never occurred to him that his hormones mm. were going to change, you know, because mm. I don't think men have have that conversation really with each other or with themselves. So that was really interesting seeing his kind of lack of thought well, it about makes, it. it. You realise if they don't think about it for them, how can they possibly understand? For their wives exactly. or their partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. that's that's also, I think, interesting. Some men have got a much greater awareness of that. They've either been through it with their wife and they appreciate that it can be quite challenging or they just don't seem to notice, you know, that, that it's going mm-hmm. on. And I think it's so important men do have that conversation yes. because mm-hmm. we work with them, we live with them. I suppose coming at it from my professional background, I obviously have worked in male-dominated environments for yeah of my career so I wanted men to be involved in the conversation there is a a lot of talk and action hopefully about menopause becoming a topic in the workplace you know in HR departments schools talking to our children about it talking to our husbands about it is it a kind of conversation that you would have with Kenny and the children oh yeah yeah I mean they kind of brought it up Moon and Lois my teenagers brought it up before I did because they'd obviously done something at school so anytime in the last year that I've you know been slightly short-tempered or you know they they from where it used to be is it your period now they go is this menopause and um and so I've had to kind of verbally slap them down on that a couple of times no I'm actually just really bloody angry with you for that Um, we have had conversations about it and they're really relaxed about it so much more I don't think I would have had those kinds of conversations Mm, at 15 with my mum or you know any female relatives I mean it was called the change wasn't it and yeah um, you know gloomy yeah and some people had bad changes and other people had decent changes you know and there's always an auntie that's got it worse than somebody else and they're very chilled about it actually as kids are about so many topics now where Mm -hmm. they talk about sex and their own body changes and everything is kind of amazes me it's fascinating yeah (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what has been your perimenopause menopause journey so far I don't know if you've had a guest on yet who's mentioned this I didn't realize I had IVF I didn't realize that IVF can bring on menopause Mm -hmm. earlier and so I had my blood tested because I thought oh I'm you know maybe should see where I am and this was in the summer and basically I'm pretty much at the end of it and I'm kind of like yeah I'm I'm kind of almost at the point where I'm I'm not going to have another period I might have one more Um, and yeah and so I didn't even know because I didn't have very bad symptoms and so I suppose I was kind of thinking my periods were a bit erratic but I wasn't quite Mm. on it I think when you've had those issues in your life I didn't know I was going to not be able to have a baby without IVF until we started trying because I didn't have any gynecological issues as such Mm -hmm. and I had that inexplained infertility that 20% of people have so my periods have always been really regular and then when they started slowing down I just thought it was just life you know and you kind of don't pay much attention to it and that's kind of where I am I definitely got a bit more anxious and a bit more maudlin I think but then we were going through a global pandemic as well last year so so what what, you know what was my anxiety related to Mm -hmm. but I think once you kind of know once I heard that and the doctor rang me up and she said, are you okay about this? And I was like, 
yes, I've never had a big attachment to my period. <laughs> you know, so, no, so some yeah. women do though, don't they? Yeah. Then the last yeah. one is quite important. Yeah, them, yeah. I think uh, it's weird when you've got a teenage daughter as well, though. There's this balancing act going on in the house all the time. I think. Yeah. Um, now, fitness is really important to you, isn't it? You you were a gymnast. We were just talking in your introduction about the fact that you look so fit and fabulous. Your toned arms get commented upon. I think fitness and success are very linked, aren't they? And our society tends to see fit people as more successful. Work Working in sport, being a former gymnast, I mean, how is that working for you in your own thoughts about your fitness at this point in life? Do you know, it's funny, just this week, actually, that you asked that question, because I got an Apple Watch for Christmas, and I've suddenly started becoming a bit more obsessed by mm-hmm. metrics on my on my wrist. And one of the things I was amazed at is how few calories I was burning with these mega workouts I was doing. I was like, this can't be right. You know, a hit workout. I've just mm. killed myself for like 45 minutes. And, you know, and I haven't even burnt off a digestive biscuit. What's going on? Fitness ordinarily for me is just really important for life and health. But actually what that is indicative of, I think, is it's so much harder for you to retain, to, yeah. to make changes, to get fitter. You know, as you get older, that is so much more apparent that muscle is harder to build you know it's harder to kind of uh, come Mm. if you have a few weeks off it's harder to get back to where you were you know when I was younger you you know you'd have a big big week a big blowout go on holiday or something you come back within a day you're kind of like you know you're feeling you've done a couple of work I know it's so so I will never win an Olympic medal now (laughs) I've realized that It's, it's a blow. It's a blow it's for a us blow all. For all of us, yeah. <laughs> so therefore you have to shift your mindset and your goals, don't yeah. you? And that's happening slowly to me. I'm releasing that memory of the, the physical person I once was and saying, right, okay, just being fit for life is so important. Your well, skin changes, everything changes, doesn't it, on your body? So It's picking other sports that have got longevity to them that you could perhaps still be doing in your sort of 70s and <laughs> possibly <laughs> exactly. 80s. Yeah, no, even tennis, things like, you know, I, yeah. I love it when I see old people um, you know, I'm talking <laughs> not us. That's no, what not my us. teenagers say. Actual old, old people, people. Yeah. you know, people in their 70s playing tennis. In fact, the other day I was listening to a tribute to a footballer who died on the radio. He was 72, and another footballer said, "I mean, it's no age. He's just so young." And I thought, oh. "Yeah, he's <laughs> yes. <at> 72." <laughs> Can you still do the spits, Gabby? Yes, yes, yes. Lorraine, and that will still be happening when I'm 60, 72. Oh. Actually, as long as you keep doing it, I can't lose that. Surely, I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm hoping anyway. That's one. Thing I'm hanging on to yeah well, I'm very proud of you for doing that <laughs> so could you just maybe take us through what's a, a kind of a week in your fitness life Do you know what I've got better at doing is actually listening to myself so if mm-hmm. I've done yeah. kind of like some really hard weights and workout and then I, actually do you know what this week I feel like doing a lot of yoga or mm-hmm. I feel like running mm-hmm. so I think when I was younger I would have a trainer and I would be on this kind of this is what we're doing I think probably in the last year since I haven't had anybody telling me what to do I kind of go actually I don't feel like doing that today I'm going to do this I'm going to do a bike ride so as long as I'm and when I say active I don't mean just going for a walk but doing something more like sweating somehow yeah raising my heart rate properly does Kenny do it with you not with me he would say this if he was here the last time I did a session with him that he just followed me around afterwards he was like you're so fit (laughs) (laughs) and he was like what did you think you were doing in the gym (laughs) all that time then So he's much more like likely to do a bike session or he doesn't like my kind of weights hit sessions. He's very relaxed with himself like that, though. He's like, I'm not, I've done it. I've played for my country 70 times. I don't need to prove myself to anybody now, you know, so, which is again, probably a male thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm fine with not being the kind of physical specimen I was. He wants to keep his weight down because of of health, you know, and he likes Mm -hmm. to be fit, but he's not bothered about racing around and pushing himself 
higher and higher and doing the weights harder and harder or anything. He'd rather be outside for hours and hours mending mm-hmm. and fixing and being physical outside. We have got really into our long walks. And we oh, did yes. a I've been watching one. them. You're very good on Instagram. You do a little chat. <laughs> yeah, but... Sometimes Kenny is listening to you. Sometimes he's not. <laughs> no. Sometimes he's up for it. Other times he's, he's uh, yeah. <laughs> the walking has been really good for him, I think, mentally, because he gets a podcast on or something and he goes and out with the dogs for hours and I think it's been for a lot of people hasn't it? it's been a real escape to do that mm. how has lockdown been for the family because teenagers trapped in a house it's you know it's really hard for them it is I feel really sorry for them you know their social lives obviously are well all of us are, all of ours are non-existent but we've had lots of social life so we've got memories yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but they they don't get enthused about the idea that we're going to have a Mexican night tonight kids no. let's see you know <laughs> let's see if we can dress up they're not having the normal stimulus they should at their age are they and that is tough and we can't do anything about that we can't replicate it no. Ru- Ruben's more likely to you know the whole exercising outside with one person one of his friends will come up on a bike yeah. and they'll go out on a bike ride I'm trying to make them ring their grandparents almost every day yeah. and it's quite nice when you hear that interaction because obviously they're at two ends of the spectrum aren't they in terms of how they're dealing with all of this I hope that it will in the long run be a thing that they'll get more resilience from not that yeah. they need it but they will have rigor and they'll they'll understand they've come through something historic and they'll appreciate the lessons learned i mean parenting twins we've both done it for boy girl twins mine are probably about a year older than yours i mean it's a great human experiment i call it it. (laughs) it's quite a unique experience isn't it watching these two they you know how they hit the milestones normally you've got the older child compared to the younger child and they lead the way how's that experience been for you do you think i've loved it and just Mm -hmm. last night actually they were on really good form and they've both been funny and kind to each other and you know they've actually getting anyway age now where they are really lovely yeah. to each other and they've gone out the room and I said to Kenny oh we should have had another set a year later <laughs> <laughs> they are a great kind of joy and they're great for each other I think having them mm. at home together in lockdown has been really lovely because they've gone to separate schools for the last few years so they've got close again you know and, okay yeah, yeah now you've had a really long and successful career in sports reporting broadcasting I mean it's been really brilliant actually to have a woman such longevity as a female presenter and you've had to be quite confrontational I think sometimes in your interviews you've had to have that inner steadiness and steel around things have you always been comfortable with that as a woman because I know a lot of women find that difficult yeah sometimes come away from a situation and you might see a reaction on social media and you think would you have said that if a man had conducted that interview exactly. you know yeah. is, is it just because you're hearing tough things coming out of a woman's mouth or putting mm. somebody kind of under a bit of pressure you know yourself I think you're your worst critic and your best judge in terms of uh, was that fair did I do that the best way I could and of course we've all made mistakes and you come away sometimes thinking ah maybe I should have done this or that but generally when you've had to push somebody a little bit you hope you do it you know for the right reasons and you're trying to get some straight answers and then when you read kind of criticism from people you think I'm not sure that you would have said that to a man I think it's changing (laughs) at Newsnight it's pretty much exclusively presented by women and and they're all excellent interviewers in their own style not everybody has a combative style and I think also when you have been in a career for a while then people know what to expect don't they it's interesting I think um, sometimes you hear things from male colleagues not necessarily 
broadcasters but people kind of you working around and and they go oh are you going to be angry with me today then or something like that and you think mm. men don't like angry women no, do they? Yeah. Well, they don't like mimic women showing strong or, yeah. emotions yeah. it's they say angry they don't mean angry they just mean like they mm. would be but i'm just really grateful that the man i chose to spend my life with doesn't see it that way at all he'd never turn around and patronize me he'd never say that i don't think he would ever it would ever enter his brain you know what i mean that mm-hmm. i shouldn't be as combative as him or as passionate about something or angry whatever way you want to describe it run, you don't run think you changed your personality around it because often I found when I worked in big newsrooms of men you'd be in a news conference and there'd be three women and 15 20 men that sometimes I would change my personality to adapt a bit and then I'd think actually why am I I shouldn't doing be doing this I should yeah. just be who I am but, but it would be think... easier to not be that sometimes we do that for women as well don't we you know, yeah certain situations true. I think and there's certain men I work with where Actually, if I want to get something that, you know, if I want to achieve something out yeah. of that conversation or that, Easier that dialogue, way. It's, there's a better way of doing it. So, mm-hmm. What's the next step for you then? What's the thing you want to do most next? At the moment, I'm enjoying doing what I do. And I, it's hard to imagine a life without sport completely. But there will come a point in the next decade where I, I don't want to be doing matches all the time. And I want to do something something else, maybe a bit more daily or a bit more of a routine. You know, yeah. life is mm-hmm. so random mind you I managed to have the randomness through 15 years of kids so I suppose you, know. <laughs> you made that you made that work yeah so I, I do I do want to do more outside and I've been writing recently I've been writing a memoir which I I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't I, memoir sounds a bit pretentious but I didn't want to write a biography as such did you keep a diary or have you had to re-remember all of this well my husband will tell you I don't know whether it's because I did a law degree but I have got a really good memory Mm. when I when Ah. I so I did look through a few notebooks but all I have to do is think about kind of that that week something in that week and I get really I get into it really quickly and I can remember everything and he's which annoys him because obviously if I we were in an argument or a disagreement and I go no it was definitely the uh, (laughs) (laughs) you clearly haven't had the menopausal brain fog you definitely escaped that (laughs) I do feel that sometimes when I'm at work and I can't recall a stat as quickly and I think Mm. is this is this it or is this just actually as I said to my granny who's 92 who's got dementia I said to her you've just got too many memories and some of them won't fall out so you can't that's why you can't remember things and so I I forgive myself on that and go no you just got too many stats in there you need to (laughs) need to leak some stats out of the brain do you have a favorite sport to commentate on or to watch I'm going to be a bit on the fancy here because i do feel so lucky that when I do the rugby, it's the Six Nations, which mm-hmm. is one of the best Love sports it. tournaments yeah. in the world. When I do football, it's either Premier League or World Cup. At the moment, nothing feels that important mm. without crowds because crowds make it feel important. Don't, you know, crowds, yeah, without, without a crowd, a crowd. Yeah. When I do the athletics, I'm doing the Olympics and, and I'm doing World Championships. So at each of those different occasions, you feel like you're at the peak of those sports. Mm-hmm. So it's a joy to do. And, and actually, uh, the variety is lovely because it keeps you kind of interested and focused and you never get too sucked into any one bubble part of that world yeah and then you also have different perspective it's interesting moving from one to the other and seeing how they all operate in different ways and how people are in in those different sports it's going to be quite hard isn't it for all the young people who have lost all their sporting chances the last couple of years now to kind and all the the kind of ground root sport that's kind of disappeared Mm -hmm. all the local clubs that can't exist anymore how are we going to rebuild all of that for everybody i think the grassroots sport i hope will come back quickly because a lot of that is based on volunteers anyway who, yeah who just love it i think 
well, the worry for them is that they'll lose these kids because they're at a pivotal age, 15, 16, where... Well, girls else, particularly, yeah, they, girls more girls is, drop out of sport at 13 anyway, than that, any. Yeah, it's yeah. just a big time for yeah. them to stop. It's such a drop out now and never come back. And that's, that's the worry for female. Yeah. There's loads of other worries for women's sport for me. Yeah. And, you know, women's sport was going so well in 2019 exactly. and the sponsorship was coming in and the changes were being made. And of course, we've seen the thing that's been hit hardest in sport is women's professional sport yeah. because they mm-hmm. don't have that backup, that reservoir no of funds yeah. and sponsors. And and so that that's really sad that that progress seems to have stalled and stumbled. But hopefully what it's highlighted to people is that it still needs loads of work. There's a kind of veneer as, as a, you know, success in terms of England's women football yeah. obviously went to the semi-finals of the World Cup, but there's a lot underneath that needs a lot more work. So um, I think what we've also realised though, don't forget, is how important sport has been in terms of our own mental health in this time. I think mm. that's really been a conversation that has come to the fore and people have walking, running, doing things because they've also realised that if you're fit, you're less likely, for example, to have long-term um, you know, repercussions from COVID. Um, yeah. Not entirely, but it has been a factor. So, so hopefully that will encourage people to stay active and stay involved in sport and find a sport that they enjoy. It'd be travesty for young people to kind of not find their way back to sport and to lose. Mm-hmm. We will lose sad. some kids. Yeah. Oh, Gabby, do you want to just tell us, we know you've got Piers Morgan coming on the midpoint. Um, any other great guests you'd I've like got, to? It's a very it's a diverse group. Um, we've got Davina coming on. And then I did a, a podcast with Richard Bacon a couple of weeks ago, which I think I might put in third because he was fascinating because he's mm-hmm. had so many things happen to him in the midlife, you know. Kind of, mm-hmm. his yeah, whole, his um, journey's been extraordinary, hasn't yeah, it? it? He's has. very ill. Yeah, very ill. And obviously he's now living in LA and he's changed his career slightly in terms of what he's doing. And then Tess Daly was on. She's going to be in the mix, Rhea Ferdinand. So, yeah, it, it's quite a nice little series that's kind of coming together. It's been a joy to do, actually. So here we are at the point in the show we like to call How to Win at Midlife. Now, if you've been getting your knickers in a twist or your tangas in a tangle, did you write this script, Trish? Yes, Tangas in a tell? tangle. Because you can't find underwear that fits well, feels amazing, and does the scaffolding work required, you will be interested in what we've got to tell you next. Trish, you have talked to an underwear expert, haven't you? I have indeed. The lovely Sarah Connolly is a lingerie fitter and stylist. She's based in Edinburgh and does both in person, obviously not at the moment, and virtual appointments. And her mission is to add elegance, sass and a sweet kick in the pants to how women think about, shop for and feel in their lingerie. We like the sound of that, don't we? Does your lingerie match? Uh, Sometimes. If if I'm making an effort. If I'm making an effort. I think it's important. It does, you know. Uh, Well, let's see. Sarah's got some thoughts on that. Shall we see what she's got to say? She's been in business for 15 years and she says that some of the most common problems that she sees with her clients are that they get really confused about inconsistent sizing because your bra size in one brand may not be the same for another. The size can vary wildly, really, depending on the designer's perceived fit of the individual garment. So that's something quite tricky. If you just think, oh, I'm a 34D or whatever, you probably are not. Of course I'm not. (laughs) Um, Wasting money on lingerie that looks okay in the shop, but 
then you get it home and it's so itchy and uncomfortable and rides up your bottom and all that sort of thing. And then there's that kind of disappointment if the delicate sort of sexy, beautiful laundry that you're looking for just doesn't come in your size because obviously there's such a, a breadth of sizes and some brands just don't do uh, as many as you'd like. And also when you're actually, you know, I don't know how you find this, but really it's the worst thing, isn't it? Trying on laundry. And then you're like, oh, you don't want to sort of running back and forth to the fitting room trying to find something that fits and you're getting a right panic and you oh god yeah no it's quite hard isn't it and then of course there's the issue of confidence especially at times when our bodies might be going through some changes so like after we've had babies um during menopause obviously well your sizes change during menopause as well don't they exactly um and we could just sort of sometimes you just think oh god it's just i'll just stick to the same old sports bra that kind of just hoiks everything in or you know because you're just nervous you can't face the idea of trying to find a replacement you're you're, pre- you're presenting a very depressing underwear <laughs> scenario here well, I think, again it's just these a lot of the things again mention the old facebook group a lot of this has come up on the facebook group so yeah. i thought it was probably worth sarah telling us what the kind of yeah how do you challenges do the chat there are challenges right so what do we do so we have to think about fit first of all obviously if you can go to an expert or do a virtual online appointment with an expert. The first time you do it, you will probably never look back because fitting and measuring are apparently two separate concepts. So a measuring tape will give you a sort of ballpark size, but every bra fits entirely different depending on how it's sort of the technicality of the the structuring of it, etc. So even if the labels display the same size, they they probably won't be. So That's the fit, not the measurement you're looking for. That's the fit, not that you're looking for the fit, not the measurement. And when she works with a client, she says she looks at the, all the tiny nuances of the, the body to recommend the sort of shapes and styles that fit you best. But the general fitting rules are that the band underneath should be firm fitting and the underwire should be completely flat against your body all the way oh, around the cuff. I'm feeling my so bra now. Sort of flat, right, is it all nice wrong. and wrong. It's wrong, right? You need a fitting, okay. But if you get the right fit, that is when it's going to be flattering and you'll feel, you know, your confidence will be boosted in that. So, you know, it's not just as simple as picking between padded or non-padded or a balcony it's the or fit. A full cut. it is you know and those sort of little details can really have an incredible effect on the support and accentuate everything in the most gorgeous way I think it's about how you feel first of all it has to look and fit good but it's also about how you feel in it and you know that mix of comfort confidence style or sex appeal if that's what you're looking for is different for every woman so you might fit a slinky lace bra beautifully but if you're kind of anxious that you might pop out at any moment no. You're not going to feel confident in it. So you've really got to, you know, get the sort of the sense, the feel and be comfortable in, in your bra. How are you about popping out? Well, I'm a small lady. <laughs> not you, of voluptuous proportions, no. more of a kind of sporting, I would say, yes. more sporting yes. proportions. Nice I to think something to fall out, wouldn't it? I don't ever wear non-underwired Mm. stuff unless I'm exercising because I've never been measured properly Mm. I've never had time and I think I would be better suited to (laughs) non-underwires perhaps yeah and also I think it's really important that you learn how to do it properly so that when you take your daughters your teenage daughters they are wearing the right thing from the start and they're not crippled by uncomfortable underwear and I think you have to sort of think about it for all areas of your life what are you going to be doing in that bra I I can't tell you it takes me an hour to get into a sports bra I've done so much (laughs) exercise by the time I've got the bloody thing on 
Yes. But just because I haven't found one that I can just put on and take. Yeah. I don't think it feels like these things are designed by men sometimes, yeah. even though somebody who's never worn one. But I you mean. do need to get it right so that you get your daughters get it right. Because we took yeah. our daughters to MS. It was the, the wrong oh, thing to experience. do. Mm-hmm. We went to Victoria's Secret against all my better judgment. And that was just a team of really young women who mm-hmm. knew exactly what young girls wanted to wear oh, and how right. to shape them and fit them and how to, you know, to go back in every three months to make sure that you're measuring them yeah. as they grow. I think it's a really specific thing and I do think it's important because I think it is as you say about confidence and what you're wearing and how it feels all day well Sarah was saying that kind of her route into lingerie fitting was a bit of a strange one because her first experience of bra fitting in in a high street store left her completely devastated because her mum had measured her and she'd got her you know classic 34a bra and she decided to go for a fitting when she was sort of in her late teens I think early 20s and the woman said there really wasn't any size there and there wasn't much to measure can you imagine? I mean, the poor girl, she was absolutely devastated. And, and sort of by some sort of strange coincidence, a few years later, she got a job in a laundry store and she was fitted by the manager who actually measured her at a 30D. So the difference between the 34A yeah. and a 30D, that is quite phenomenal. And she she said it just changed everything for her because it made her feel more confident and it transformed how her boobs looked in clothes and it's just sort of no looking back so that's kind of interesting isn't it and that's why I think getting our daughters fitted although they're quite shy isn't quite shy I don't think she'd feel comfortable being fitted so I'm gonna have to work on that one but have you ever given your undie drawer a detox I think that's something I'm going to do it I think it's a 2021 task yeah I just I think you get into a rut yeah um because your breasts change shape after you have babies don't they um Mm. as you get older Older and the hormones are in and out mm-hmm. and just at various stages in your life so I think you should probably do it quite regularly but yeah. I also I think you just need to look at the underwear drawer and say is this does any of this is it working does it bring you joy yeah I mean you need does to it bring me any joy throw out anything worn out just throw it out anything that makes you feel less than less than fabulous then just yeah. just don't hold on to it does and that include family tra- members okay <laughs> you give that a there's go. a lot of them that make me feel less um, than so Sarah obviously recommends trying on the pieces you like, but be really honest yourself. And if yeah. it doesn't fit, don't keep it. There are so many charities that you can donate good quality items to. Like there's one called smallsforall.org, which is a small Scottish charity that supplies kind of good secondhand underwear to like actually to women and girls in the UK, as well as in Africa, who just simply can't afford to buy it for themselves. There's another one called againstbreastcancer.org and you can just post your bras off, um, mm-hmm. which is very helpful to them or you can make a bra bank where you collect everyone's bras and then they'll come and collect it I think the other thing to mention here is and this has only happened in the last two or three years I think um, is the massive lack of choice for women black women or brown women when it comes Mm -hmm. to colors for bras because there's a lot of colors that just don't suit certain skin tones and Mm -hmm. it was a very narrow range whereas there's some brands now like Nubian Skin Savage Mm -hmm. Fenty ones which have really great bras if you're looking particularly I think for your daughters if you're a black mum and you want your black daughters to wear Mm -hmm. really great stuff that suits their skin tone because as we say it affects how you feel it can affect how you feel so it's really important that you Mm -hmm. get it right there's Mm -hmm. some new brands as well Trish do you are you ready to talk brands yes let's talk brands what are your favorite or what's caught, caught your eye recently 
Well, the, the sale is on at the outnet. If you want Ooh, a designer okay. one, I'm telling you, half price, rather good. Fig leaves is good, I think. Intimacy mm-hmm. has a massive, massive range. Eres, E-R-E-S, has a great range. I like the Stella McCartney ones because they're really good for small women with mm-hmm. not the most voluptuous of shapes. Bodus, B-O-D-S, is good, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lovely one I found online called Dora Larson. They're just really light and yeah. cool looking ones, which I think would suit people as well. And I think there's one called Commander, which I quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what have you seen? Well, Sarah, I'll just tell you Sarah's because she's a lifelong fan of Simone Perel, P-E-R-E-L-E, yeah. and Fleur of England, because she sort of says that they really nailed modern femininity and they're just technically very, they're very, very flowery. Fleur of England are very And nice. she likes Dita Von Teese's collection, which well, I have so. to say I haven't looked at, so I'm going to have, have a look at that. And then her, some of her more recent discoveries include Adina Ray, R-E-A-Y, and Taryn Winters, uh, which are independent brands as well. And I've, I've spotted a few on um, Instagram as well that seem to pop up on the ads on Instagram, which I really like the look of, like organic basics, which is sort of very yeah. sustainable and ethical. And one called Russell England, which have really lovely silky bras. So if yeah. I was going to splash out, I might have a look at those. Tell me to get you one. <laughs> Instead of my... 48 triple D. 48 triple D, lovely. But do have a look at Sarah's website, www.saraconnelly.co.uk, and that's Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, where you can find much more detailed guides on her lingerie drawer recommendations. You can follow her on Instagram at Sarah C underscore lingerie. And most exciting of all, Sarah is offering a virtual bra fitting as a competition prize Great. on the Facebook group. So please do pop on there and have a look. Not and live on Facebook. Not live unless you want to hey we could have a light we could do a light no trish we couldn't it would be terrible (laughs) no one would want to see that no we won't we won't make anybody do that live i'll put that in my sitcom for women in their 50s live Mm -hmm. bra fittings so thank you very much for that advice sarah um i think that's really useful i think a virtual bra fitting should be on your list of things to do in february so we hope that 2021 will be your year of perfect pants and beautiful bras Well, I'm all excited as usual because this is my favourite bit of the show. Oh. We are at our nostalgia noodle. Can I drum roll? Um, the... yes. What's yours this week then, Lorraine? Fanny Craddock. <laughs> I have been down a fanny wormhole as it were. This is after watching Gogglebox, obviously, mm. and seeing Fanny Craddock's Christmas on Gogglebox. I mean, I had to rewind and watch it again because yeah. obviously I don't cook, but I do, she is was part of my childhood, mm-hmm. um, a bit of Fanny Craddock. Just before Delia, I guess, Fanny. Mm, that, have I left quite a lot before Delia, but yes, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm mentioning it. She has a new book. She doesn't, obviously, she's not here, God bless her, anymore. But there is a new book, Keep Calm and Fanny On. Could be your motto, Trish, given that you had your uh, video turned off for the first half of this by accident. Keep calm and fanny on. So she wasn't Mm. only a cook, she was also a poet. Do you know what her real name was? (gasps) No, I did not. I don't. Phyllis. 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 Which you literally could have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) So she was in the 70s. I just, I mean, the thing that perplexes me and fascinates me just really fascinates mm. me is um fanny's eyebrows or lack of well where were the eyebrows i know it's a strange well it's a bit look. of a nostalgia noodle in itself isn't it because in those sort of late 80s early 90s in around that time nobody had eyebrows everyone felt that a thin oh, pencil eyebrow. Thin. we've all been yes. trying to grow them back yes. haven't we back into our 
giant fluffy ones and mine have not quite made it but she used to wear these extraordinary bows on her <laughs> head as well and she had this in collection of enormous handbags that she would take oh everywhere goodness, and, and wear yes. She took one on Parkinson and kept getting things out of it. Getting things out of it. She's quite rude. She's quite feisty, old Fanny, she, wasn't she? Was, she would was we bit... have liked Fanny? Mm, I'm not sure mm, she's on my um, no. dinner party list of no. favourite guests. No, she was I'd be quite terrified. Hard. I mean, I liked her being a difficult woman on telly because mm. that must have been very annoying for all the men around those times. But the double entendre of any kind of Fanny Craddock mm-hmm. cookery show, yesterday I watched her because I had a moment spare. What did she say? <laughs> Stuff this inside the skin of this raw, dry old bird. <laughs> that mm, could be how sounds... I'm described on my gravestone. Oh, but doesn't that sound tempting and delicious? <laughs> she did it with the power of a heavyweight boxer. Again, not a lot of fists. She's sort of, oh, I was going to say don't fisting. say fisting. Well, she, was <laughs> she was fisting that Christmas cake mix on the if, box clip. I, I, I seem to sometimes wonder, Trish, whether mm. I lead you into a joke or whether you, you find it yourself. You. <laughs> anyway, fanny fisting <laughs> aside, <laughs> do you have something nicer for me? <laughs> I think it's slightly nicer. Um, <laughs> Mine was triggered by a trip to Wimbledon Common early this morning with the dog, with lovely okay. Brandy. And uh, this lovely other Labrador decided to take a sort of amorous uh, mounting kind of interest oh in poor old Bridie. <laughs> and I just heard this man shrieking, Humphrey, Humphrey. I was like, that's not a name you hear very often no. these days. Anyway, Humphrey humped off, thankfully, uh, left poor Bridie alone. And it made me think, I don't know how it went. Where are you there. going? Are, Be careful, going? very careful. Watch out, watch out, there's a Humphrey about. Oh, <laughs> it was a TV advert about the milk, About it? milk, it was Unigate milk, and it was these red and white straws. I don't remember this, but I found it on YouTube. Muhammad Ali did one. <laughs> And you just see this big sort of long straw coming into yes. the background because you mm. had to drink your milk before the Humphrey straw got it. And you remember we used to have to get we desperate for the straws from the milkman and stickers yeah. and all sorts of things. This is when um, you had free school milk at school as well. Possibly as well. They were very school, keen yeah. on the old everybody drinking milk. But of course, nowadays it's all almond milk and oat milk that the, the, the youngsters like oh, drinking. Humphrey wouldn't so like that. Humphrey indeed. wouldn't like that. It became part of life, didn't it? Family life. Like when you have a Dubrumi flip using that word for the TV remote. <laughs> My dad would, I'd say, Where's this? And he'd go, Well, there's a Humphrey about. Oh, yes. <laughs> so sweet. And if you were drinking milk, all you know, oh, the milk had gone, Oh, I see Humphrey's been about. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I like Humphrey. Oh, I, I remember nice, it fondly. I think that's a bit more pleasant than the uh, Fanny Well, it started situation. Really, bit of dogging. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Right enough, enough. And good night. Well, that um, Benny Hill version of nostalgia noodling has brought us to the end of episodes of Postcards from Midlife. I'm sorry if we upset anyone with that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, can I please ask that you review us on iTunes or Acast or wherever you subscribe for your podcast, because that's so helpful for us. So just pop down some stars. Five stars. Okay. So pop down five stars. Five the subliminal message for you all there. If you could, please, that would be really wonderful. We'd be very grateful. And then we can read out some of your reviews on the podcast next time. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook group where you can win that brilliant virtual bra fitting prize. Also, Instagram or email us hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Bye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.